Welcome back. I say back because we had our first conversation in June and it was the beginning of June and the United States was going through a week of turmoil around the assassination of George Floyd. And we're in September and we can see how the United States and the world continues to be moved, troubled, awakened, a fitful awakening around, around race. And since that time, um, we've done a transformational journey together. So I'll share what it was like for me as Right. As someone in this community and who felt awakened to say, okay, I invite my, my white colleagues to embark on a, on a path, on a journey to transform racism in ourselves and how can we as professionals who help people change, how can we help them? So what was this journey like for you? Well, I wouldn't quite put it in the past tense because it's, it's still, I feel like it's, it's a beginning. But as, as you say, you know, starting in May, a whole lot of shaking going on. And uh, with, as you say, the assassination of George Floyd, and then another, and then another, and then another. And I, I think it activated a lot. And, um, you know, you and I have known each other for a, a number of years. And I'm just really, really grateful that through our connection, I think you, you brought up this idea about how to have a community of of non-black people, mostly white, uh, that could really address um, how do we end racism or transform racism. And um, first of all, I just want to say thank you to you for sort of leading us through the process. And I'm grateful to, to the community. And I think we were also moved where we made a commitment to, to go to level two on it. I, you know, I think the first thing is there's generally a taboo against not talking openly about such things. Um, when I went, my, my first marriage of 20 years, my ex and I were in a couples group for 10 years, leaderless couple groups, five couples, same couples for 10 years. And to have that space to basically say, what's it like for you guys? was really amazing, amazing that you usually don't have that form. So for me to have this, this space that's explicitly addressed to what is racism, how does it affect us? How deep is it inside of us? How do we begin to acknowledge it? How do we, we begin to transform it? It's really, I think, a profound um, question. And to me, as I've shared with you, I think experientially, maybe the deepest thing is to really sense that it's like an addiction field. 
that we're all born into. And while each of us has to feed it in our own ways to keep it alive, most of the time we go into these unconscious fields in order to practice racism. So it's just really, it, it's still like a, this deep opening awareness that it's an unconscious trance field that touches everybody. And, and every time it's active, which is most of the time, it corrupts and it, tough, it, it, it really dehumanizes everybody involved. So that, that, that's where I am with it now. And, you know, as I say, it's, it seems like the beginning of a journey and not the, not the completion of it. That's always the beauty of transformation is you, you start and then you realize things unpeel. They, yeah. uh, the, there were two really important moments for me when we were doing this journey. Yeah. And one, as someone who has been the only black woman in the room for all of my professional life, or almost all my professional life, um, and I've had a lot of frustrations because around me, the environment does not want to take that into account or recognize it. it. It was to realize how when you have people who are well-intentioned and who are making an effort, um, something that was said in one, I think it was in the third session, which was, it's easier to console the victims than to confront the perpetrators. Yeah. And, and I realized just how, how easy it is, even in a coaching therapeutic uh, environment to just not want to see it, not want to hear it, and not therefore be, feel called upon to intervene. And I, I kind of knew that. I mean, I know that. It's one of the things that um, black and brown bodies often complain about in these environments. But it was to be there and to see the quantity of energy I injected into the system to get the system to consider an action. And it, it was, it was a deep learning experience for me. Um, and we laughed about it because I put a lot of energy into it. And it was just, oh, yes, we can hear it. We can see it. Yes, we don't want this to continue. Oh, yes, there is something we can do. And just that chain of realizations was was really surprising to look at and um and i realized that the conditioning is so strong that there's no longer a feeling of agency and that was surprising for me it was surprising for me the depth of not feeling agency around these events. Well, I th you know, I think partly, and again, it's just sort of my own dawning realization 
I, I know a lot better in working with people where they sort of uh, black out into their symptom. You know, you've got a person who's worked hard to develop their maturity, to develop their resourcefulness. They've got a lot of skills. And then I'm always watching, you know, as a coach therapist, when do people check out? And, and to really sort of look at what that point is. And so I think for me, I've never been willing or able to look deeply into that point where I start to black out or I'm scared mm-hmm. really to open to it. Yeah. Uh, and, and so the, the course for me, you know, not only your, your leadership, uh, but the, the support of the community and some of the exercises you were leading us through really allowed me, not, not only in the course, but, but, but you know, off hours, just to almost approach it almost like meditation. Uh-huh. Like, wow, when I start talking about like black American people or whatever, what is it to hold that in my heart? Not, not to just hold it intellectually, like I, I don't want to be a racist, but how do I hold that in my heart and soul? And it's, it's really quite, a, quite an interesting learning. You know, it's, 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 it's like going into really severe abuse. And, you know, one of the things I, I know from working with trauma is you have to give yourself the, the time to do it. Mm-hmm. Like maybe you can handle it for 10 seconds and it's just yeah. so horrible that you're just out of there. So, you know, we're talking about that it's such an unconscious trauma addiction. And I think that's one of the most important things because the verbal stuff alone or just talking about it upstairs, however well-intentioned, doesn't really touch it. And I know also that there were times where, because we have guardians to help us. Yeah. And I also realized how fundamentally important it was for me to have the guardians. How many times did the guardians, like more than one pair of eyes, two pair of eyes, three pair of eyes, everybody say, wait a minute, somebody just froze. Now we calibrate everybody at the beginning of each session. And when we calibrate each other being in their coach yeah. state, and then you notice, ah, somebody's lost it, or the field has lost it. And just going towards that person says, oh, you look a little out of that. And then what would come out? So it's also to be just really aware that talking about this subject's we leave our being centered and open and connected and we go into different, you know, right. the fight, the flight, but sometimes just the, you know, yeah. not, just not, not present as a human being, you know, yeah. quite our values and our intention. Um, and uh, by the way, I just wanted to just make clear what, when you're talking about those guardians, at the beginning of each class, uh, Kathleen, you and uh, vol- ask for two volunteers yeah. to be the sort of the keeper of the space. And people volunteered, and we did a 
a setup and, and then as you say, their, their responsibility was to sense any time that we start to go back into that negative trance. And, and that was really, really helpful. And also, to me, was really helpful. It really emphasized, sort of like all addiction, we can't do this individually. Yes. We, we can't do this alone. We have to have a community that we're connected to, and each, each member of the community is keeping the whole community accountable. Yeah, and this, this whole idea that it's individual is part of the problem because it's, it's not individual. You know, you, you don't, when you're born, you're not racist. You, you learn it, you learn it from your parents, from school, from the environment, from all of the structures. So to move away from it or out of it is not an individual task. It's a collective task. And it's a collective task over time. So collective task over time in your body. And we spend a lot of time just saying, okay, are you centered? Are you breathing? Are you fluid? And you can say, well, what's that got to do with it? Well, that story that you just heard, actually, after the first sentence, it was difficult to stay present with it. And if I forget about the information and just say the piece of information I just got, am I able to take it into my system? So my ears got it. Can I take it through my body? Can I take it through my body and be connected with other people there? And so one short story about something factual that's happened when you take the time to hear it, feel it, feel it go through your system. Oh, I, I'm not present. Come back to present. Come back to being present and connected. It has a totally different impact on you and it allows something to transform. I know for me, I, I was just thinking as you're sharing that, that one of the most powerful points, and you, we were in the exercise rooms, and you just happened to drop in uh, when I was doing that. I don't know if you remember, but you were asking us, uh, I think, the halfway through the course, to um, have forgiveness, to yeah. practice forgiveness, and I was just having like I, I was unwilling. It was like inside. It was like no way, and. And, you know, so that place of hitting that spot where my intellect was non-functioning, it was like, what's going on there? And then that's where, for me, this big space opened. And I realized, because it's not the individuals that need to be forgiven and that will be resolved, but the racism is in me as much as it is in the, the, the KKK guy. It's not those those bastards over there. And that that was really like so deep, and you know, I, I started crying, and and you were so great because you, it would have been easy for you to have judgment or whatever, 
I was I was afraid of that, I should say. And and you had such a loving presence that it just allowed me to let that grief, that horror, that shame to open up in the sort of healing way so that as you open up to that pain and it's held in community, you realize it's bringing you back to to your authentic soul connection. So to me, that's that's our challenge. You know, not only our group, but the American culture, uh, the whole world. And, and I, I think it's not random that BLM is happening right now. I think it's part of a big transformation that we'll call to on the whole damn world. And and the, the Black Lives Movement went from the States, but it's come all across Europe and also Australia. I have a friend who works in Thailand and it hit there. And it, it was much more opening around, this is not human. That's right, that's right. This is not human. Right. And you can identify with the suffering of George Floyd, but you can look into the eyes the white policemen and they're not human they're totally disconnected from their humanity and when one human being totally disconnects from their humanity anything bad can happen because there's no there's no constraint there's no barrier that that feeling that human beings have compassion for one another disappears. So the world's in a watershed moment and we, we've been here, we've been here since June, since May, but we're not out of it yet. It could go up or it could go down. And up and down, up and down. No, it, it's really clear. It's, to me, it's a long journey, uh, but what, what's at stake? you know, it is the soul of humanity. And, you know, I think we're at this place where we're called, we're forced to shift from a tribal consciousness, which made sense, you know, before there was no technology. And, but now everybody is really close to each other. I mean, you're in Paris right now, I'm in California, but we're, 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 we're sharing the whole space together. So the, the only thing that makes sense is to have this post-tribal consciousness, which is why I think racism and, you know, before that, the, the Me Too movement, uh, it, it's all calling us to, to find the heart of humanity in which the whole community gets to share. And, and is that great or what? But there's a lot of pain and there's a lot of denial and there's a lot of addiction. You know, I, I've, I've worked a lot of with addiction from me, from my Irish family, with other people. And, and we know that once a person is in their addiction, you can't trust them. No. You know, they will stay and do anything to get their fit. Yeah. So that's why I think it's helpful to think of racism as an addiction because People who are good people, people who have values, people who work hard 
as soon as you go into your addiction, it, it's, it's like it takes you over. So that's why I'm thinking that, you know, uh, racism is addiction for me anyway. And as I say, I'm, I'm, I'm really grateful for what, what you're doing with us and what the community is doing. So really, you know, one thing in this video message is to invite people for the awakening of your happiness, your well-being, your sense of community, deal with it. But let's deal with it in a creative, healing, honest way. Thank you, and I, I hope the community is ready to open and step forward. All we need is enough people. We don't need a hundred percent. No. So all all people of goodwill. And if you want to be happy and enjoy life, why would you want to do this shit? You know, why would you why would you want to hate people? You know, what why would you want to do such violence to human bodies? You know? So we're just, I think, trying to sense it's in us unconsciously. If it, it was something we're born into. And let's let's do the work so that you know we can get this community of mind shining. And when you say do the violence, I think one of the fundamental things is that when you go into racism, you don't see it as violent anymore. In in the United States and in Europe, they are able to take a child away from its mother. You just put the label immigrant on it, and it's okay. They, they lose their humanity. You, you lose your compassion. You don't see it. And, and for me, that's what's scary is how, how the system shuts down. Or whether there's a system that triggers that individual shut down their humanity. Yeah. And when you talk about the addiction, it's being in an environment where drinking is okay and drinking is how you get value and drinking is how you hang out with your friends and because drinking is the way to be a normal social person if you don't drink you get excluded so what we also have in today's environment is if i choose to cross that line and to no longer be a a person who's racist Am I going to be excluded from my group? Yeah. And that's, that's also a call to say, how willing am I to stand up for myself and for what I believe is the right way or a right way to be human? And, you know, thank God for these things that I'm, I'm always talking about, uh, the demise of, of humanity, uh, because you say we don't want to see it. But I think, I, I suspect you'd agree that it's because of these things being videoed of, of, all, of all of the sort of daily violence against Black people it's now showing up on these things. 
And it's sort of like, you know, you and I grew up in the 60s, you know, when they started showing the, the dogs and the fire hoses yes. and, and the angry crowds, racist crowds on, on the civil rights people, uh, that, that's when things really began to, to shift is, is that you start seeing it uh, and you can no longer push it away here. So talking well, about it, yeah. It's because, you know, I really felt the, I can really feel the shock in my body because people can still push it away. People can and still do push it away. And, and we will. I, I and, and yeah. that, that's why I think addiction is such a helpful way for me to think about it. Because when you're in recovery as an addict, you, you realize you're one moment away to going back to using. And so you you got to identify all the trigger signs, all the conditions, uh, that but it's always there. Yeah. So no matter what we do, that racist violence, it's always there. It's part of the history of consciousness. It's very seductive. It's like a drug. It's a drug for the addicts. Well, I hope that we find the, the path to less addiction to racism. As if our lives depend on Well, in my neighborhood, we're really thinking about extinction. And I think that's I know in, in the end of May, it's a question of between COVID-19 and COVID-1619, which is the beginning of racism in the United States, you know, black and indigenous populations could cease to exist. Well, we have a sense of urgency. Look at Native Americans. Yeah, the Navajos are being devastated. And there's a lot of tribes that we don't even know their names anymore. Yeah. You know, they say, you know, in California where, where I am, over 95% of indigenous people were, were genocided. Yeah. So the, the Navajos were one of, one of the few tribes that were able to maintain, you know, um, their, their, their tribal consciousness. Any, anyway. Thank you for everything, Kathleen. Really appreciate it. And thank you for facilitating, sponsoring, and participating in this journey. Just trying to wake up and have a good time in life, you know. There we go. Being a racist <laughs> is not fun. <laughs> <laughs> it ain't no fun. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Thank you. Good luck to everybody on this journey.